0: Video recordings of this podcast can be found on RaisingEquity.org and truth to power on YouTube.
1: Welcome to Raising Equity. Hopefully you've been following our series about heterosexism and homophobia and you've learned a lot, maybe gained some compassion for people who identify as LGBTQ. Um, but for those of you who maybe haven't heard some of the series... I started this cluster of of recordings because my oldest son came to me talking to me about the homophobia and heterosexism that he was seeing, not only at school, but also on his video games. And of course, we talked through like, that's not okay. And what might you say? And all the people in our family and our lives that identify. And then I was like, wait a minute, here I am, a cisgendered heterosexual woman talking to my son who identifies as heterosexual. Um, about what we should do, maybe we should talk to people who have the lived experience. And maybe we might reach out to people who are in um, positions of power that that do the work of tackling heterosexism and homophobia. And that brings us to today's conversation. We have with us Jason Heiser, who is the head of school at Crossroads College Preparatory School. So thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate you coming.
0: You're welcome. I'm honored to be here.
1: Thanks. Maybe you can let me know, like, is, is Avery an anomaly? Like, is are other kids hearing these things? Are there schools experiencing homophobia? Yeah,
0: uh, Avery's experience is not an anomaly, okay. uh, unfortunately. And so even at schools like Crossroads, where I think we have courageous conversations and really brave conversations, and we try to name things for what they are, even when it is difficult to hear even when we are uncomfortable and what to do next, because our experience or our privilege doesn't let us see it or experience it in the same way. Uh, it is, it's present at Crossroads as well. Our Gender Sexuality Alliance, our GSA, um, talks a lot about how having representation in an adult figure, which would be me as an out queer person at the school, uh, is not enough for their experience. So they, they respectfully tried to say, thank you for being here, thank you for coming, thank you for being out. And there are these, these subtleties, and the cues are often uh, obvious to the young person experiencing them, and not at all obvious to the teacher uh, or to the, the, the student uh, who is not giving cues for belonging. So there's really obvious ones, like you talked to Avery about, like it is not acceptable uh, to make jokes about sexuality, it is not acceptable to make jokes about gender, it's not acceptable um, to yes-but people about their experience. And whether you are a child or an adult. So in a school like Crossroads, and probably other schools as well, for adolescents in general, this idea of where am I on this continuum that is sexuality? Where am I on this continuum that is gender? How do I process uh, all that I am seeing around me and my peers and in the adults and in the world around me? There is a need for space to think and act on that in ways that are safe. And not be bombarded with the assumption that it is just a phase, that misnaming uh, someone's identity, whether that is their pronouns or whether they identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or queer, uh, to to downplay that in any way, or to foist it on the young person, like, it's your job to forgive me because I've misunderstood. I work a lot with grownups that the apology suddenly makes it the young person's responsibility instead of you just naming I will get the pronouns right next time.
1: Right. And you said so much already. I love it. The richness. It, one of the things that I want to just pick out is that you remind us that this is work that we as adults have to do, too. Yes. That this is not just work that we have to help kids do, mm-hmm. especially around sexual orientation and gender. I think this idea that it's on a spectrum is a new one for some folks, mm-hmm. that they're, they haven't wrapped their mind around it. They're still stuck in the binary. Right, And so it takes work on our parts as adults to be able to wrap our mind around people's true lived experience and not stay stuck in the way that we've been taught or thought about things and been socialized. And then also support kids and being able to develop into their full selves. Sure,
0: And it takes a great deal of humility. And there are a lot of ways we can develop an identity that is harmful to us. We can explore our identity in ways that are harmful to us. Uh, if we don't have proper understanding of boundaries, if we don't have people asserting boundaries on our behalf, there's lots of ways to express yourself or to engage in behaviors that are that are harmful. And so. Give me an example. Uh, well, I think about drugs or alcohol abuse. Oh, yeah. I think about um, where students can find people who are like them. I think about the oversexualizing of gay men, for example. All of those are risky. And so being able to think about a biology curriculum that is respectful, being able to think about a health curriculum that is honest about ways people engage in intimacy, love, and, uh, and sex is really challenging and still very important. And I think that when, when all of this idea of I'm going to try to be on a continuum intersects with this, these, are people, these are children who are not mine, and it intersects with how I have been raised and, or my choice about a faith or religious tradition gets really complicated. It does. Uh, Because I think um, children are born into some identities that are visual, that they cannot change. So they are white, they are black, they are Asian, for example. But this idea of sexuality and gender um, really is an internal, begins internally first. And the assumption that it is a lifestyle, that it is a choice, I still push against really strongly uh, in adults and in young people. Uh, if that's I hear this too often. If that's how they're going to choose the, to be, or if that's a lifestyle they have chosen, and I'm hearing it, and I say, well, it is not a choice, uh, and it is a challenge, and we are here to steward that in ways that we would still want good boundaries, in ways that are important for the child who who does identify as straight, uh, and the child who does not identify as straight. How do we express that? How do we have conversations about it? How do we have a vocabulary? that is honoring, and then how do we not default to what is outside of Crossroads, which are things like video games and language and in the news, et cetera, et cetera, right. um, that really are demeaning and diminishing to those experiences. Yes. It is challenging to come out. And, and one of the things I work with children on, um, that sounds like I do it much more often than I do, but when I have conversations, is coming out is an ongoing process. Um, it, particularly if you don't read uh, as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or queer, if you don't read as trans, uh, then there is this over this need to explain or this uh, this assumption because straightness is centered, uh, maleness is centered, that that you always are trying to redefine or pushing on people's assumptions so they know how to have a conversation with
1: you. Mm. Is that clear? You, that I that kind is of okay. no, absolutely. And when I was going to ask you, do you use the term straight, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I as, as somebody who identifies as heterosexual, like, mm-hmm. I sometimes feel uncomfortable about using the term straight because I feel like it's so heteronormative. Like, that's straight and everything <laughs> else is crooked or messed up. You know, like, it, sure. it feels pejorative.
0: And I, uh, yes, and thank you. And I think when you're in a situation you don't know what codes someone is familiar with, and we haven't talked about the internalized homophobia or heterosexism oh, yes. Like. Um, that young people and adult people who identify as LGBTQ experience as well. But you are absolutely you are absolutely right. And we and this idea that that straightness is an absolute really diminishes the fact that you can have intimate relationships that are friendships, um, that are love relationships that are not sexual, that are not romantic, and it is limiting to our the full range. Of what it means to be in a relationship with and someone. and to be
1: intimate, to be sexual. Like yes. you mentioned, it feels <clears throat> um it feels too like exacting, like straight, mm-hmm. right? As if it's it feels so discreet. Right. And if we understand that both sexuality and gender expression are on a continuum, mm-hmm. it, it, it and again. Like I said, I'm sitting here as a cisgendered heterosexual mm-hmm. woman. Like so don't let me tell you what to say. No, but I it appreciate just feels it. so exacting and like not open.
0: Sure. I appreciate that. And I, I have a relation with you and I know you. And still there is that what is the test of the space. Ah the language that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the language that makes sense to you, to your audience, et cetera. But I think it is I would want to be held accountable by people who I'm in relationship with mm. for am I ha, are there is, instances of internalized uh,
1: heterosexism Heterosexism yeah. or homophobia
0: so that I can be be true to myself in that regard as well? Because, yeah. and I, I've talked a lot about gender expression and sexuality, and really, I don't want people to conflate them. Exactly. They are very separate. Exactly. So I, I talk about them a lot because when I deal with young people, those are the the continuum, the continua that they're sliding up and down sometimes. Uh in really expressive and beautiful ways, and still bumping up against um, even children who think they have good intentions um, by saying it's okay, but or I don't mind if, and and still putting that that is also there. That's there's heterosexism and
1: homophobia. In yes, that in well. that mm-hmm. kind of qualifier, right? Like I don't care who you have sex with, what, right? It's not like and, you're totally reducing sure. me. To sex.
0: And we're talking to young people who have not had a sexual experience yet, who actually may still not know what that would be like for them. And they're just experiencing themselves.
1: Yes. Yes. They are just experiencing themselves. So this is a kind of a uh, big question. So in my head, I'm thinking, I want to hear about your experience being out as a head of school. And I also want to know how the school as a system so how Jason is doing mm-hmm. this work, but maybe first how the school as a system is doing this work is to not like conflate you with the school. Sure. I think the
0: school assumed that it was doing more than it was. Uh, and when I arrived and I was I've, I've been out my whole career, despite very early warnings. Uh, this is my 23rd year as an educator to not be out. Don't tell anybody because there is an assumption that gay men are predators, um, that you can turn people gay. Uh, which was scary, and I didn't know, I didn't know how to navigate that because I, I felt so completely queer. Like I didn't know how to not, how to closet, Be yourself. how to closet that. And I was also a young teacher on on my own, like young person journey. So that was challenging. And so being at Crossroads is is really is really excellent. Uh, when I arrived and I was hired and I looked at some policies, we immediately changed the language. So that it was more inclusive of kinds of families, of kinds of situations where children might arrive in families, of ways people are partnered, for example. And the board was bit, was readily uh, you know, available for that conversation and, and changing that.
1: That's a great I, example <clears> throat> of throat> how policies can reinforce heteronormativity. Yes, yes.
0: And then even when it was, there was some contention in the faculty around an all-gender uh, bathroom, for example, and I, I just said we're going to do it. And we have children and we have families uh, that will feel included because of this. And we're making a lot of assumptions about children's sexuality and expression of sexuality to have a single style bathroom. The children will somehow misuse it when really they just want to go to the bathroom. And so do our parents. And so this we've over, like sexualized children, dress codes do it too, conversation for a different podcast. Yes. Um, So how do we make sure that there are signals and signs in the environment? And I, I think people were readily now we have two uh, all-gender restrooms. We're uh, really ready for that conversation. It was a little bit challenging, I think, with um, when I arrived at a parent interview, for example, one of the parents said to me, um, you know, uh, after meeting you, um, my child, you know, never, never mentioned, you know, I said, never mentioned what? You never mentioned, you know, like, you know, that you're out or that you're gay. And I said, I, I, like, that was a thing the parents said to me, like, to praise the child in the school. And it felt in an interview. So I'm with other parents. But it's just an awkward setting. So even at that moment, there was, like, I did not use it as a teachable moment because I'm in an interview process, for example. But those are things that that creep up. Some parents want to, uh, in the admissions process, for example, want to assure me that, they, um, that they're that they okay with a gay head of school because they'll say things like, you know, being gay isn't contagious, right? And I'm like, "That the joke is that, you know, I... That is not a, a worthy joke to bring it up at all i'm only in this interview because i I'm excited about you and your family and your child's presence here, and it's not actually about me at all, so uh, I think that we we want to do it and we're ready for it, and we are we need to be better and better at naming it in mm. uh, and, and better and better at making sure that it appears in places so that is it is a natural part of the rhythm of the day. I loved it when um pictures of Bayard Rustin started showing up during our Pride Week and during uh, uh, February from our BSU. I love and the conversation that began to take place. And I actually got this from you, like problematizing people in our history to know mm. that he was cut out of the civil rights movement because of his sexuality and yet was so essential to it. And for uh, students who sometimes see themselves at odds, uh, children in the Black Student Union, children in the GSA, actually really no, there it, it all intersects like we're all trying to, to get free together right and, and you are all of those things Bayard, right.
1: Rusted, what, Bayard Rustin wasn't just black right. or just gay like that was all of who he
0: was right and yeah. so so I think that uh we try to be very thoughtful around um our sports I and about who plays on which team oh really and I think that Misha's uh, documentation for trans students playing on the team of the the sex that they identify as is really invasive. And so they're not going to ask, they're not, what can they do? You know, so I have a problem with, and I've asserted this to them with the paperwork that is necessary to get approval.
1: So this for, is a state process? This is
0: a state, uh, the state athletic association, the state guidelines.
1: And the guidelines uh, say.
0: They're, they're too complicated to quote really quickly, but the point is there's a process to get approval for like a trans boy or a trans girl to play on the team of the sex they identify with. Okay. And we just put them on there. And so that's another kind of systemic thing that we work on. Also when a child transitions, we, uh, we immediately change everything that we can, that the law doesn't require us not to change. And I think we, I think we are really thought more thoughtful around the social aspects of sexuality and gender than we are about where it appears and things like biology, health, and when are we naming, uh, when are we telling complete stories about people that appear in history or in literature? I mm-hmm. think I wandered off your question a little
1: bit. But no, that's good. Okay. It's all good information. Just think, because I want people to think about how, if they have the power, whether they're a head of school or mm-hmm. even just a teacher in the classroom um, or just somewhere where they care about kids or people who mm-hmm. identify as LGBTQ, what it might look like to make a space more inclusive. Right? You have the power to do that as the head of school. Absolutely. And it sounds like, like you said, the board's been pretty open. Families mm-hmm. family's been pretty open. Uh, I imagine, though, that whether at Crossroads or just in your 20-some years of teaching, that that while the space might seem open, the kids might even be open, I imagine there's some parents you've run into that have not been so open.
0: Uh, that It's true. They usually do not—they don't bring their closeness to me, generally. I did have one parent say that I was making the school black and gay uh, because I have a—, a strong racial uh justice focus and i strongly believe that i want young people to come and be themselves which means they do some things like sometimes they run in the hall they shout they say things they shouldn't uh and so we have to have some wide because that you know, equals black you know right if you talk loud and run oh, around the hall, right. that's black well and just that it's just and but like 12 year olds run right but there's not them there's, you know we're not they're not running into things or people let's just let him run. So uh, that may be a little off too, but I I think that, that came to me uh, in in sort of two separate conversations and uh, it is a white space and we have to really be honest about the, that it, that it is a white space. And yet we can, we can be an anti-racist white space. And it is a, it is a space where we want all of our kids to be their full selves. That is part of the design. That is how the co-founders meant it. And so the, this, I don't know what she meant by that. You're making this a gay school. Um, perhaps it's because the GSA began. Perhaps it's because we have more uh, trans students than we did previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we're seeing this across school settings, not just at Crossroads. Exactly. Uh, so I wish. I wish in terms of the everyday language and conversation, Crossroads students, I think, are 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 really good at holding one another accountable and trying to be responsible for what's most respectful. Uh, but I, I still believe they have such, they experience things like your son, Avery, experiences uh, with the offhanded comment. But if we could get it right in other spaces, I suspect we would see that um, eliminated over time.
1: That's um, the hope. But is there a direct education that you all do? Like you mentioned, you all are anti bias, anti racist school. Mm-hmm. So while you have a racial lens, you are thinking about all social identities sure. and the intersection of those. So, like race inclusive, but not exclusive. Right. Um, so is there direct education around homophobia or heterosexism?
0: There really is not enough. Uh, so when I, I mention things like biology and health and history and literature, we need to be, and then like in our advisory program, I do think our students who identify as LGBTQ would advocate for more just uh, real conversation about that and representing um, sexual health relationships, romance in a, in a way that is inclusive of all of their experience. So I think that we are seeing the beginnings of that, but we I think we have a long way to go, um, and I th- I think it's hard to figure out how do we how do we name the variety of people's experience in a way that is honoring to them, like you've right. said to me, like straight feels pejorative, and so I'm in, in the middle of this, like oh my gosh, like I got to think about it too, but I would rather us be, be moving in a direction that is really thoughtful, um, and take on just take on the risk with courage about how. How do we represent sexual health, for example, in a health class in a way right. that is honest and true and makes sense? How do we talk about biology in a way that is true? So I, uh, our biology teacher, I was like, the student will appear in your class. He's a trans boy. So you can't really talk about male and female reproductive systems in right. an absolute way because you'll have a student sitting there knowing that it's not neither or true for him.
1: Exactly. And so
0: that work, that takes some work. But I, I appreciate the courage with which the teachers are taking on the work. But I do think we could be more explicit is the short answer, and I do think we can be more thoughtful about what is the curriculum and where where could we be more representative, where could we be more honest, um, and then how do we balance that with, with parents' expectations about what they think is taboo, particularly since L-L-G- issues that are considered LGBTQ are often over-sexualized, yes. that can seem like it's not the business of the school to teach.
1: Uh, and yet, and yet, and yet here I we are. It well, <laughs> it's just is even like you mentioned in terms of biology or health, mm-hmm. right. Teaching about the spectrum, teaching about the fact that gender is not, sex is not male, female, mm-hmm. right. That there's a variation, whether it's intersex or other sorts of representations and of chromosomes and genitalia and hormones, mm-hmm. that it's much more varied than we've been told. Absolutely, Like you said, so telling those complete stories yeah. And so how do you do that even if there isn't a kid who identifies as trans in the mm-hmm. classroom? You know, like how do you make sure that that's there and and that's I mean that's big work on school's part. It's 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 sure. just a lot to ask and it's necessary and I imagine parents would have something to say.
0: Well, I think uh you we have to be vigilant. We have to be honest about what we know and what we don't know. We have to be Willing to, to be uncomfortable ourselves on behalf of the safety, comfort, and inclusivity of the experience of our young people, and I really value the fact that we have a really explicit mission that names a commitment to justice and equity. And so, when parents come through the admissions process, I think we can speak boldly about the kinds of experiences and conversations we have. And whereas, when I was a public school principal, for example, uh, there was there were too many there were, where there were too many outs around it, uh, and that was. It is easier to be uh in an independent school setting and be out than it was in a public school setting for
1: example interesting uh, so and imagine. we did
0: in in that setting so very little uh even much less than I think I've experienced uh in, in at crossroads in terms of direct teaching curriculum, direct conversations um and that really at the beginning of that experience as a middle school principal in a public school setting did feel very tokenizing. Like we can now prove that we because now, you know, we've got a we got an administrator who's black, we've got an administrator who is gay, and we are diverse. Done. Right. And that of course it's just
1: not just much doesn't different. work that way. Yeah. yeah. In terms of disciplinary action, have you ever had to take disciplinary action against some a child for being homophobic or hateful towards folks who are LGBTQ?
0: I'm glad that at Crossroads we we think about uh, breaches of relationship often before we think about punishment or exclusion. So how can we be in conversations about being okay enough where I am so that you can be who you are? And how did this how did this statement, this repeated use of the wrong pronoun, this repeated joke or shrug or you know um, response to to someone coming out or someone's conversation or story about who they're going to bring to to a dance or whatever? How is that Perhaps damaging to that relationship. I like that we can begin there. We haven't had uh, in my time there, and I, I don't know of any time before like an, like an act of hate uh, or an act of uh, like physical violence. Um, so, so I want to say that we discipline in a way that it that encourages a uh, a growth way of looking at the children's relationship, at what we know, and then also challenges: Are we? representing it this enough? Are we teaching enough about this so that the experience of the whole school understands that when you behave or say things that are homophobic or that are hateful, um, you you're damaging, it's it's harmful to you. It's harmful to the person. It's harmful to their peers. And really it, it's limiting your own experience as well. Um, the world does not look like crossroads. And I often say if we get it right at crossroads, let's say we get it all right, they're still going to walk out into a world and be immediately the download will begin again yes. in terms of all of these things. So I need them to be fluent uh, in terms of their own re- reflection um, about their thoughts, feelings, and how they're expressing them. Um, and I think children act out often because they are uncomfortable or because they are in pain. So I think, and, and I don't have your training around like, like psychology, but that's just my experience. So when we try to take a real humane and human approach to how do we respond to this, so that relationship, and it has good boundaries um, and and they're still able to be close. There's only 215 of them, so right. that relationship becomes really right. essential to their experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's it, I'm glad to hear that there hasn't been any major event, right? And and yet I want people to to hear that even though there might not have been a major event, that there's still work to be done, yes. and that it's important that people understand that we can always be growing and changing. Like you mentioned, the policies and. And some of the norms that mm-hmm. you can be working to make a culture more inclusive and equitable without there being some major incident, right? Or well, event.
0: And the major event is too easy to package, respond to, and and move on. So, the hard
1: work is the long term yes. work.
0: Well, and privilege likes a completed something, so their privilege wants it to be finished, and so um, it is not the big heinous event. For example, that most children know and families that that is out of proportion to someone's everyday experience. But it is the cumulative effect of these microaggressions that really, that's what really weighs on young people. Yeah, And it's, it's the cumulative effect of the microaggressions that I'm experiencing, perhaps as the person who is coming out or who is out, that my friend has experienced on my behalf because she cares about me, that my colleagues might experience, um, that the board will want to protect us all from. And that, and and that you carry that frustration, so even if you were to change schools, you still walk in with that that accumulated experience of microaggression or of hurt or pain, and it's those slights um regardless of where the microaggression fits, if it's around race or gender or sexuality or ability or whatever um, those those add up so although I am also glad we don't have a major event the you no know, it is the it is the daily, the vigilance around the daily um, accidental sometimes, the daily inadvertent, the daily uh, I'm going to try to manipulate the power in the room. I'm going to I'm just going to be a young person and figure out where the boundaries are. That, that is really the greater concern. Yeah. When I was an assistant principal, also in a public school setting, I did do big discipline for big moments like that. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that was not the right answer. Either mm. it was it was not it didn't fix it didn't teach, um, but it did put a boundary around, uh, and it did it did we had addressed it and and there we had addressed the incident and therefore right. we had addressed it but we actually hadn't and, you know the underlying causes. Martin Luther King says in uh in letter from Birmingham Jail, which is about racism, not about sex, uh, sexuality or gender, that unless we grapple with the underlying causes of racism, and that grappling. Regardless of racism or regardless of any other ism, requires that we hold on to each other. Yeah. And so if we're gonna start excluding young people from the community instead of trying to get them to be in community together, we gotta to hold on, even when it's uncomfortable. And I think I mean, he uses a lot of great words, but I, I like the worst use of grapple in that one.
1: Yeah. No, that's very relevant. Very relevant. You talked a little bit about your experience being out and your own experiences mm-hmm. with homophobia and heterosexism. And I wonder if you might share with us how that is showing up for you, whether it's at work or not, but how you, you mentioned sometimes can even internalize those messages about ourselves. Like how do you, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like try to push back on that. What does that look like for you? So I think, um,
0: I've had, I've experienced overt moments of homophobia and, uh, heterosexism, uh, that I have had colleagues and leaders who I reported to really at the defense of that to, to stop the, the comment from the parent or the comment even from another administrator. So that is those, those big events have been helpful. But I think uh, growing up in all of the cues around masculinity and all of the cues around relationship did not match my experience of myself. And so um, I often feel small I don't feel like a small person but I feel small in the in certain situations because I don't have the language or the cues uh, around masculinity around straightness that I that I thought I was supposed to have and and I uh, my mother was very affirming of me I think she was just waiting for me to come out so she could help and didn't quite know what to do but she's like you don't just knock on your son's door and say look We've got. We have to have a conversation around your sexuality. And at that time, I didn't know you could be bisexual. I didn't have the language of queer. I didn't understand. You know, there was. I was uh, privately educated in a Catholic school, K twelve. So I didn't. I had lots of uh, norms and dogmas around who and how to be. In addition to these, these cues that that just didn't match my sense of myself and what I uh, enjoyed or aspired to. Even being a teacher, which was considered feminine. I was like, I just really want to be a teacher. I had great teachers. Um, and so, so that is something that I think I still push against today. Uh, like how does one, how does one look like a head of school or how does one look like a principal that is a a man? Like, how do I, um, Coates talks about how people of color will contort themselves around racism. And, uh, I, I, I don't experience racism and I am white and I obviously am male and i have those both of those privileges, but I have a sense of that. How am I speaking? How am I gesturing? What am I looking at? Who am I uh, attracted to in terms of conversation or interest that might be seen as um, gay or feminine, when I am masculine presenting, I still have to remind myself that it it just doesn't matter. It's okay. And of course, the older I get, and now I'm in this setting, uh, and I know other people, it, it doesn't, resonate the way that it did growing up or as a beginning teacher when I was I was actually afraid and I was told not to be out. I didn't know how not to be out. I didn't know how not to behave as I did and be passionate about like even even a even my passion for literature uh was seen as gay. My passion for my subject area it was I was like too passionate about it. And yet I had amazing teachers. So I didn't know how to not be I didn't know how to not be passionate about something right. I was clearly passionate about. Right. But growing up as a singer, um all of that just didn't match with my school setting or my family setting.
1: Hmm. Um, so, what advice do you give to other kids who maybe, like you said, you can't necessarily sit a kid down and be like, "Look, this right. is what I think is going on with <laughs> mean, their sexuality." How do you help them think through if they don't match if sure. the cues aren't there? How do you support them?
0: Well, I think. Um, if they, are a, if they are a student at Crossroads, I think there's so much variety. Um, we can point to all kinds of variety, like a, like a patchwork quilt. Um, uh, so And there's, everyone has a piece in that. And I often say to the whole group, we, we can only be who we are if we have everybody. Uh, so I try to have this message. I often talk to students about I take you as you are, and part of your work is to take yourself as you are. And instead of, com- instead of playing the tape, I should say CD, I don't know what I should say anymore. <laughs> but instead of playing the message, telling yourself a story that what you're seeing, experiencing, or liking, or wanting to you know, e- explore, uh, rather than listening to what the download is, the software download of that is to just really sit in the question in the moment and sort of choose with courage um, and, and be conscientious for your, to yourself. Because I take you as you are. There's lots of variety in the school. And so naming who you are is also a lifelong. It's also a lifelong process. So I try to create lots of space. uh, Also around the, there's so many, like during Pride Week at Crossroads, students love all of the labels for all of the things and all of the flags. And I'm like, you actually don't have to choose one at all today or tomorrow. And you might, what you are celebrating today about your sexuality and gender, you might change tomorrow and you might change the next day. And things are fluid and they take time. So I try to encourage that sort of, reminder that everything is okay and you're okay too to that there are people in the setting who can help you and who care right. about you uh and and when you're not sure to to go to someone you trust and i often like i'll often say like who in the system or who in your life would you go to and i try to help students be thoughtful that um that we need everybody we need everybody
1: we do and we need everyone to be their full self right and, and the expansiveness mm-hmm so I appreciate you for joining us on the podcast to talk about this topic because I feel like people who are, like I said, in positions of power, who are creating spaces that are safe, we hope, for kids mm-hmm. to be their full selves are important. Um, and hopefully they could take from some of what you shared, but also anyone who's in the life of a young person yeah. to just support them in in being their full selves. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. If people wanted to find out more about you or Crossroads, how could they find out information, maybe donate to a great school?
0: Maybe, for sure. Uh, CrossroadsCollegePrep.org is our website uh, at Crossroads, and I am easily reachable there, uh, Jason at CrossroadsCollegePrep.org. And I'm happy to be of any kind of support that I can. I have, since I have been a principal, reached out to other school leaders who are experiencing um uh, questions about students coming out, uh, whether it is related to their gender or to their sexuality, about how to create safe spaces, and i will I am disappointed to say they have never reached back really, yes, and so I take it as part of my kind of personal mission that when I know of something that is happening to a young person uh, and and there's a systemic something that could be done, I reach out to my peer in that system, which is often the superintendent or the principal and offer, can we just talk about it? And I just share my own experience and uh, ever return my call or email in that regard.
1: Ugh. Use the resources that you have, people. Like, use the resources that right, have. So email you have. me. I'm
0: happy to talk more. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you for joining us. And thank you all for joining us on Raising Equity. Make sure to check out the rest of this series around talking homophobia and heterosexism and come back and join us soon on Raising Equity.